The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat along with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Yeah, it's, this is um, a, a gospel passage of, of great import, and, and I think it's um, uh, significant certainly because the, the themes that we see uh, unveiled in this particular gospel passage really ring down through the centuries, you know, they, and it catches us today. If we, if we have ears to hear, certainly, um, this, this call of uh, Jesus' first followers, of his disciples. You know, we, we are to know ourselves as disciples. We are to know ourselves as those called uh, by Jesus into this great new thing that, that God is doing. Uh, and so this, uh, this passage uh, really is quite significant uh, for us today. And, and of course, it picks up the theme of, of the, the readings this weekend uh, of repentance. And uh, I think we probably uh, should look at that just a little bit uh, but I, I want to say uh, something about the, uh, the first reading from the book of uh, the prophet Jonah. Now, you know, over and against the, the, the cries of opposition, I want to say, I want to say something about, about Jonah this morning. And I hope, it, I hope that it's not simply a matter of, of self-indulgence because it's really like one of my favorite books of the Bible. You know, that's why I want to talk about it is because, uh, because I really love it. Um, but there's even there, right, the, this, we see the theme of, of repentance uh, and, uh, and we see it in actually a couple of different ways, which is why I'd invite you to, to go home and read the book of the prophet Jonah in its entirety in one sitting. It, it won't take you that long, and maybe 15 minutes or so, right, it, depending on how, on how fast you read. Um, so, you can t- so actually next week, yeah, come back, and all I want to hear from you is how long it took you to read the book of the prophet Jonah, okay? So anyway, you see, in, you see his, we heard about repentance, the repentance of the Ninevites, Ninevites, you know, big city, right, took three days to walk through it. That's, that's a pretty big city, even, even in our day. And how they repented at, at the word of Jonah, calling them back. Yeah? So they say, look, we need, to, we need to repent of our, really, idolatries. The idea is that we're giving uh, worship to something other than the true and living God. That they wouldn't have said it that way. I'm giving that layer of interpretation. Uh, but the reality is that their lives are built on things like uh, material wealth, um, health and well-being, like that kind of thing, which is very much like our times is what makes it uh, somewhat of a significant read. Um, but they're, they're, they're eager at his word. He doesn't even make it through the city. At his word, everybody's turning around, right? They're saying, okay, we, we, we'll don our, our rags and, and ashes and the rest, and we're going to uh, repent at the, at the word of Jonah. But there's a remarkable thing going on there. Jonah hears the word, right, to go and preach to the Ninevites, to bring about their repentance, and he does everything possible to avoid going, right? Remember, he's in the belly of the whale, right? Why is he in the belly of the whale? Because of disobedience, because actually he's running away from the call. 
So although he's called to bring the message of repentance, he himself doesn't want to bring it. So he has something to repent of, right? And then he goes, I should say, let me tell you why. Okay, he doesn't want to go to Nineveh because he thinks that when he preaches repentance, the people are going to repent. And he doesn't want to see that happen. He would prefer God to wipe them out. And so there's a great little exchange, even with a plant that gives him shade at the end of, at the, end of the story. That's, it's, it's a really marvelous thing, right? And, and part of it is just to say, you know, we ought not look down our noses at any of the works of God. And God, God reveals that he is at work in Nineveh, and he has sent Jonah to play that role. And, he, and Jonah doesn't want to do it because he doesn't actually respect the work of God. He wants God to do something else. But he goes, right, reluctantly with great opposition and the rest. And it happens. They repent. They return. And then there's this, what we're, what we're to understand is that Jonah, him, this is the kind of meta-narrative, is that Jonah himself repents. Yeah, be, why? How do, how do I know that? Because the book exists, you know? So he's actually celebrating the work of God. If, we, if he wasn't, then if, he, if, if that were not to have happened, then we wouldn't have the book. So we have the book. So there's the meta-narrative also of, of repentance. So it works on two levels. It, one of the reasons why I find it fascinating, but I just, love, I just love the story, especially where you see that, you know, Jonah is this kind of oppositional character. And again, you know, like, uh, I'm a bit of an oppositional character. So this is probably why I'm doing a bit more self-revelation than I expected to. But that's probably why I enjoy that, I enjoy that story. I also think, you know, God, God's work and, and God's will will be done in the sense of God is going to bring his, his plan and, uh, to, uh, to fulfillment and even if, even if we take it on, say, hesitate, with hesitation and with reservation and even with, even with opposition, right? It's like God, God will profit the work of our hands as, as we go out, again, reluctant as we are, to do what it is he's calling us to do. Which thro- this throws us right into the, into the gospel, but I'll take just a little pit stop in the, in the second reading, which is where St. Paul says, the world is passing away. Yet the world as we know it is passing away. So the world, and let me, let me just uh, distill it to get to the heart of it, and then I'll drive it on to the conclusion. The idea is this. The, the world, the creation, the wounded world, the world that runs by pride and retribution, the world as we know it, that runs by pride and retribution, is passing away. Now, St. Paul is going to say that that world, the world that runs off of, say, the, the fuel of pride and retribution, that world is passing away. Why is he going to say that? Why? How can he say that with confidence? Saying it with confidence because the new world is coming into existence. The new world that has been launched by the Jesus who was dead and buried and rose in defeat of death, who appeared to St. Paul in the flesh, that he is beginning a new world, right? He, he is the beginning of God's new world, his new creation. And that new creation is to run on the power of self-giving love. It's, it's to run on the power of God's own life of love, okay? Yeah, is it, John's tempting me because I, I called him out already <laughs> this morning, so he's, <laughs> I said he's welcome back, and in fact, you know, he is. <laughs> he's going to be a treat for, for Carissa, so this is, this is what's going to happen. Okay, so the new world, yeah, 
the world, the new thing that God is doing is coming to bear, which is why the world as we know it is passing away. Now go to the gospel. How is this new world coming to bear? It's the call of Christ. It's the call of Christ Jesus. And look, that the call, the call of Christ goes beyond all manner of even traditional loyalties, right? So not even like, you know, bad things and what. So, yeah, we know Jesus has called us out of death and the works of death. He's called us out of sin. He's called us, he's called us into a life where we can give glory to God with everything we've got. And we can bring flourishing to his creation. He's restoring us to play the role that we were always made to play in the world. Yeah? But he's also, but the, one of the hallmarks of the call is that nothing at all trumps it. Not only bad, but also good. So here, right, the, the traditional loyalties of, say, family and even livelihood, right, the, the human endeavors that conduce to livelihood and the human activities that, that form well, fam, familial bonds, here are trumped by the call of Christ Jesus. Yeah, did you see it? Because the, the fishermen are in their, in their boats, they're, they're plying their trade, right? They're fixing their, they're fixing their nets. And the, and the first, right, I will make you fishers of men. What does that mean, by the way? Right, I mean, it's not like, these are not like the magic words, right? Jesus walks by and says, hey, come on, I'll make you fishers of men. They're like, oh, fishers of men, we always wanted to be that. Like, they don't know what's going on, right? No, but he's calling them out of their livelihood. They're doing the thing that provides sustenance for their families. And he's saying to them, step away from that. And I'll make you fishers of men. And they go, what are you, you know, what, what are you talking about, right? This is, this is what my response probably would have been. What, what on earth are you talking about, right? No, they don't. They get up and go. They leave it behind and they follow him. This is the urgency of the call. Okay, we'll apply it in just a second. The, the rest was, you know, we see at the end, James, the son of Zebedee, his brother John, they're in the boats. They left, they left their father Zebedee Right? And, and the trade that probably would, that family would have held and, and plied for hundreds of years, right? They left, they left that and they followed Jesus. Okay, this is remarkable. This is the first lesson for us, right? Nothing at all can prevent us from following Jesus. Nothing at all, good or bad. So we have to be willing to abandon our nets, whatever they are, and follow Jesus. And I'll say this, yeah, this is, this is the challenge. Again, every, every life, every civilization has organizing and animating principles. Things that we find most valuable, they become the center of our lives and of our, and of our say, civilization, of our society. Right? The things that we value most get all the attention, all the energy, all the pursuit, right? Every, we're, we're, we're living in relation to those ultimate things, the things that we've said are ultimate. But the ultimate thing is God, right? And here is expressed in the call of Christ and faithfully following him, right? So when we say leave everything behind, it's not as though we, we have to now desert everything in order to follow Jesus. It's that Jesus is our priority, our number one absolute priority. And what he says we do, 
which means probably that we have to spend some time listening for him and listening to him and being in relationship with him. Otherwise, how are we, how are we going to know? Yeah? But let me, give you the, let me give you the broad sense of the thing, right? Because here, the, the, thing, the new thing that God is doing here is he is coming into possession of his kingdom. He is coming into his kingdom. He's claiming what is his by rights, which is the entire world. Right? So he's, Jesus is launching the movement that will see him enthroned as king right here on the cross, right? He's, he's going to see it, and he's going to see it through to the end. And then dying and rising from the dead and ascending into heaven and sending his own spirit, he will rule the world through his faithful followers. So his, king, his kingdom is now and lasts for all ages. It will last forevermore. But his, king, but his kingdom is now and it's expressed most perfectly, believe it or not, in and through his faithful followers. I say believe it or not because I have to look in the mirror every now and again and say, you know, is this really the vessel that you chose to bring your love to life in the world? Is this really the vessel that you chose to, to advance your cause to every corner of creation? And the reality is that, you know, sorry, I don't say sorry to say we should celebrate it, but yes, it's true, it's you, right? It's you, okay? And Jesus is walking along today and he's calling you. And he's called you. And I, I say, we might see our lives of, of conversion, say like repentance, that, you know, we hold on to the agendas of the world and live like everybody else and whatever. We're willing to let that go and follow Jesus with everything we've got. And our conversions might be as sudden as the ones we encounter in the scripture. They might take a lot longer. Where piece by piece, Jesus, you know, in, in relationship with, with him, Jesus is showing us where it is we need to repent and come back to God's way. And he's showing us what we need to leave behind. And also then what we need to embrace in our life of vocation, a life of calling. So what, 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 what obedience looks like and what faithfulness looks like, he revealed to us over the course of time. And it's ours to say yes, with the same uh, fervor, with the same lack of hesitation and reservation that we see in the, in the disciples. So let me, say, let me just go back again to say the world as we know it is passing away. Right? The, the world with the animating principles of, <laughs> of pride and retribution, right? the, the, the world that lacks forgiveness, uh, you know, the, the world that we see is, is animated by the pursuit of, of money, power, and pleasure, and right, that world is passing away. The new world that, that God is bringing to life is coming into existence, and we are the advanced signpost of that ultimate reality. So it's ours then to be taken by charity itself, right? To, be, to, find, to find ourselves possessed by the God who is love and become a reflection of his radical generosity, right? He has come out, he has come out, like, to call us. It's not the brilliance of, you see in the scriptures, right? It's not the brilliance of the disciples that has them taken the initiative. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. He's the one who's taken the initiative. He's calling you, he's equipping you, right? He's giving you the nourishment, the strength that you need to, to persevere in the life of great love that he, that he has lived and that he is calling us to. Yeah, so we, go, we set out now, trusting and following Jesus, animated and sustained by his own life of love to bring his rule, his kingship, the proclamation of his kingship to every corner of creation.